In celebration of Earth Month, we'd like to thank this month's sponsor, Big Pivot Partners. Big Pivot is an award-winning communications design firm with solutions ranging from sustainability and corporate responsibility projects like ESG, DEI, and TCFD reports to investor communications. As strategic consultants, they've earned a reputation for delivering strategic, creative solutions with hands-on project management that ensures projects deliver on time and within budget. Enjoy this episode. Welcome, everyone, to the ESG Decode podcast. I am your host today, Amanda Shea, and I'm happy to have Jenny Stoikovich on the podcast with me. Jenny is a food tech leader, the founder of the Vegan Women's Summit, and author of The Future of Food is Female book. The Vegan Women Summit 2023 is coming up in late May in New York City. I'm happy to have Jenny on the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about the report, the study that they just conducted, the results of that. And also some of, you know, not only what the state is of women in future of food, but also what are some solutions to address the problems that we're seeing. This is a fascinating topic to me when it comes to, I think, food, nutrition, thinking about we have this growing global population. We're supposed to, we're projected to reach 8 billion people this year alone. And then by 2030, 8.5 billion. And I think over um, 9 billion people by 2050. So the challenge is, of course, how do we feed all these people? not only feed them, but give them nutritious food. And at this intersection is also environmental issues such as climate change, pollution, land use, water, also ethics when we think about worker safety, animal welfare, and also economic development as far as how can we make this transition this um, inclusive as well. So I'm happy to have Jenny here and we're gonna dive a little bit more into it, but Jenny, welcome so much. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk all things future of food, women, innovation, how we're going to deal with feeding 8 billion people in a rapidly changing climate and economy. Absolutely. This is my this is my bread and butter. This Tell is my bread and vegan butter. I love it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you got into this space. What led you here? So I had a kind of interesting pathway into the future of food. I've personally been vegan close to a decade, so it's always kind of been a personal side of who I am as Jenny, but my professional side was uh, working in Silicon Valley as an executive. So my um, work in Silicon Valley was really building up much of the post-2008 tech companies. And as you can imagine, being in the valley as a woman, a young woman, I was often the only woman in the room. And on top of that, I did lobbying. So my job was both political and tech, two very male dominated spaces. So I was quite often just finding myself to be one of very few female voices. It was not very representative of, um, you know, the broader ecosystem. And now we've kind of heard a lot more about that over the years. When I first started, it wasn't really part of the conversation. So in 2018 or so, when I saw the future of food and technology begin to be more of a mainstream conversation, I thought, great, now I can bring my personal passion to what I do on a day-to-day basis. But it started to kind of look very similar to what the tech industry looked like. So um, how 
could we figure out a way to bridge the gap and create representation in this new industry? We have the ability to make women leaders. We have the ability to make founders of color leaders. And food is something that goes and bridges across all of us, right? Nearly 8 billion of us. So my goal with this work was really how can we create the most effective and impactful future of food ecosystem, grow this industry, and do it with everybody on board? I'm seeing the growing and growing interest in more plant-based diets, new, more nutritious diets, also plant-based and or um, different types of protein, let's say, in our diet to address some of these issues around environmental um, ethics, animal welfare, and development and economic development. Let's dig into the findings of the study. So Vegan Women Summit recently released a report on 2022 state of women in the future of food. So what are some of the highlights, Jenny, that we should know about? Yeah, absolutely. So we've done this report every year. This is our third year collecting data. We spoke to 120 women CEOs and founders from around the world about what is their experience in the future of food. So first and foremost, one of the things that I like to lead with is the fact that women create companies for very different reasons than men. We know overall, men are eight times more likely to create a company for financial versus mission. Whereas women, we create companies because we want to do good, because we want to make an impact. Just overall, every single industry, we see this time and time again, which women are in it for the mission. And so our report unsurprisingly said that 85% of women created their company in the future of food specifically for the mission. And of those women, 76% are specifically addressing UN SDG goals. And that's something really important for the audience that's listening today, because that means that nearly every future of food company, just by its core existence, is addressing the ESG and the SDG goals that many people are now focusing on with their investments and with where they're going to be putting much of their money in coming years. So women are no women are are on the forefront of knowing where things are going from a social impact perspective as well as from an environmental impact perspective. Unfortunately though, this year we collected a lot of data around the challenges that women are facing. So we know that women face uh, various barriers when it comes to fundraising. Um, Time and time again, we have found that women are receiving bias and discrimination from investors. So this year, 56% of women reported bias from investors, which is an increase from last year. Of that, 70% was gender bias. So it does tend to be time and time again, um, that continued bias around being a woman. And 63% of women of color founders reported racial bias. So that was an unfortunate finding for this year and is in line with all other industries. It seems that even though the future of food is supposed to be progressive and mission-driven, we do face many of the same challenges. And I'm happy to kind of chat a little bit more about that. It's sad to hear that. You think that after what we've been through as a global community through COVID, through also the racial injustices and understanding police brutality more, that you would see those numbers trend the opposite way. And we did see leading up into the pandemic, funding for women altogether, for folks that are following some of these trends, you actually realize that we were increasing year over year. So PitchBook data shows that women were raising more and more and more. And then when the pandemic hit, we actually saw a precipitous drop that has continued over the past few years. And that was really because Many investors, unfortunately, and and this is a known fact, believe that women were a more risky investment or founders of color were a more risky investment. 
So that was very unfortunate. So we went from about 3% of funding going towards women to now less than 2% as of last year. It's shocking. It is shocking. (laughs) I've also heard, you know, from other studies that women build more resilient businesses. So I'm like, there's this perception of risk, but then there's the studies that show actually we are able to build more resilient businesses. What does your study show? What does your research show? So that is absolutely a proven fact. So women are more likely to return a better exit. They do more with less. Women on average, so female founders on average, return a 64% higher exit than male founders. So we know that when you can get women over the finish line, we we actually do a lot more. We're a lot scrappier. I actually, very coincidentally, about an hour ago, was just writing my Women Founder Wednesday post and featuring a great example of a woman founder that's doing exactly this. So every single day, we're reading about layoffs, right? Like you can't open your phone without hearing about layoffs at Meta, at Salesforce, you know, every single tech company, Twitter, you know, Twitter's what, 25% of what it used to be. Every single tech company is downsizing, downsizing, downsizing. But Canva, which is one of the most valuable and impactful stories of the last 10 years when it comes to tech companies, $40 billion valuation. Melanie Perkins, their CEO, just an interview this week to talk about how not only will they not be doing layoffs, they have over a billion dollars in the bank, but she's hiring. She is literally hiring right now. And I just did a, you know, I was just writing to folks in an era of Elon and Mark via Melanie. You know, it was a slow and iterative process. She's been building the company for 10 years and it went profitable in 2017. Now worth $40 billion and she is hiring all of these laid off employees. And what does that show you? That shows you that the, the patience, the resiliency and the collected manner of female CEOs, all of which are attributes that have been studied time and time again, they really show themselves, especially in times of downturn, like we're seeing right now. It was easy to make decisions when the money was free flowing. But what happens when the money stops? That's when the true leaders come out. And I believe quite strongly that Melanie is just one of many stories we're going to see of resilient female-led company. I love their story of Canva and what she created. We use it as well. <laughs> but I remember listening to her story on, I think it was how I built this podcast and just thinking, wow, what an amazing leader. And, you know, of course, a female leader as well, but what an amazing story and the gusto she has as well. It's wonderful to hear her continued success and the fact that, yeah, they're continuing to grow and hire, bucking the trend. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, to your question, why is this, right? So there's a few pieces here. First off, there is a clear bias when it comes to who's doing the investing. 95% of VCs are men. That's a fact. Uh, And unfortunately, when you have one very, very homogenous group of people that is making much of the decisions um, for the investments to fund an entire generation of products and industries, the ability to get past that, it's not just a over bias of, you know, I'm a male VC and I don't think that I should fund this because this is a women's, you know, product or industry or whatever it might be, which is a piece of it. But there's also an unconscious bias of it. And we see this time and time again with women founders who report questions like, oh, if you're at this pitch meeting, who's watching the kids? You know, um, are you a mom? We receive feedback like this 
literally all the time from female CEOs. The types of questions, the types of thoughts that go into your mind when you see a woman or a mother CEO, they tend to be very different. And that is, like I said, that's not always intentional. Oftentimes it is unconscious bias. And so being able to create more representative leadership on the other side of the table with investors and VCs is another massive, massive opportunity for us. So you know, if 2% of funding is getting to women founders, 5% of VCs being women certainly has something to do with it. And then you also mentioned in your survey that there was a majority of women of color who also reported racial bias during these conversations, these funding. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately, 63% of our founders of color reported racial bias. That's almost two out of three. So just let that sink in for a second. You know, we're in 2023. We have gone through an entire uprising around, you know, the murder of George Floyd and and getting more black business funding and, and API funding. You know, you're seeing these incredible, incredible stories of of women of color getting theirs, so to speak, um, in the press. But what is the reality on the ground? And that is, unfortunately, much of this unconscious bias tends to still be present with many of the investor conversations that these women are having. We do tend to have a bias also around certain consumer demographics. And this is where it gets into the fact that, you know, we single digit in terms of VCs of color as well. Um, the Hispanic, the the Asian, the Black consumer demographics, these are all extremely fast-growing consumer demographics, particularly in the United States. But again, most of the VCs are white and unfortunately male. And so there tends to be, from the women that we've spoken to and the founders we've spoken to, there is a lack of awareness around some of these consumers and how we can better you know, address them. Pinky Cole of Slutty Vegan, I wrote about her in my book. Um, she's a great example. She's built a $100 million plant-based brand that is serving 98% Black Americans. And 98% of them aren't vegan because she has built a brand that is specifically designed to speak to a demographic that has been left out. So more founders like her, unfortunately, she has to get most of her funding from black investors because they're the ones that gave her the chance. But more founders like her are going to pave the way for consumers from other um, traditionally, I think, underrepresented, underfunded groups to have more founders and more products and more success stories. What are your ideas on how to diversify venture capital? We have such low percentages, single digits, essentially of women and also mm -hmm. of diverse uh, VCs. How can we raise that? Let's get in the double digits that at least. Is, <laughs> at least get over 10%. I'm working on it, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as somebody myself, you know, who will be announcing a VC fund very soon, I, I've got to tell you, man, I'm in the room with men all the time. I'm mostly, it's, you know, even I am experiencing much like I did in the tech industry, I am experiencing that isolation personally. And it's, it's difficult. I can be completely honest. Just just having firsthand experience, it is very, very difficult. I think one of the problems with venture capital in general is that it's a kind of mystifying industry. There's no, you know, when you're in high school, you're not told like, you can be a teacher, you can be a nurse, you can be a doctor, you can be a venture capitalist. Uh, there's no schooling, right? Like there's, there's no pathway. There's no clear representation of what a VC even is in a world for young girls or young boys, really. And so most people, 
their only example or understanding of what a VC even is, is probably Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. I know that was for me, certainly. I mean, I grew up in a town of 2,000 people. My parents have a 10th grade education. So a venture capitalist was never, it was never in the cards for someone like me. So I think that we need to do a better job of education more than anything to even make this a career opportunity available. And I spend a lot, a lot of time at universities. I talked to, you know, I talked to probably a dozen universities last year, everything from Harvard and Duke to some of these smaller colleges, trying to explain how this career works and and how this industry works so that more women can even see it as potential for themselves. Building that pipeline. Yeah. And it's the pipeline is. So we talk about getting more women into STEM, which is a, a huge endeavor in itself, but it's different for VC and investing because VC and investing does not have a defined career path in the way that, Perhaps like being an engineer, being a coder, you know, being a scientist, you can sign up for a degree to do that for four years or, you know, a master's or a PhD or whatever it might be. There's a clear defined academic path to do that or an apprenticeship, you know, same thing. Like there are paths. There isn't a path really for how to become an investor, for how to manage money. You know, you could take a finance degree, sure, but you largely are probably going to get into this space because. Maybe your parents connected you with someone. Maybe you got an internship with someone. That is, I think, a conversation that we don't have enough is how we are actually setting up these pathways so that they're equitable and accessible to all pools of students and not just those that are connected. We talked about this funding gap that she identified or not identified, but further saw accelerate and and in a bad way, sorry, in your study. What other, what are some other highlights from the study that that are notable. Yeah, absolutely. So there there are some some positive sides of things. We did find that two in three women are fundraising this year. So that means that there are a lot of women founders out there. And that's one of the things that I like to to double down on when I have these conversations is people say, well, there aren't enough women founders, but there are. We know there are. That means that two out of three of these women are out or two out of three women founders are out there fundraising right now. We did see that more than half of the women that are fundraising right now as well are aiming to raise a million dollars or more, which is incredible, right? You know, we're talking, this is at least like seed rounds or, you know, even series A rounds. Like that is a tremendous amount of women that are out there building big companies, even 13%. So more than one in 10 women are raising $10 million or more. So the future is very bright. There are some brilliant, brilliant founders out there that just happen to be women that are that are building companies just this year. And so it's up to us to see, can we create the resources? Can we create what these women need on our end of things, on the investment spectrum to help them further their path? Whenever I hear um, people say, well, where are the women? We can't find them. I just in case anyone's listening to this and not watching the video, I just do a big eye roll. We're out there. You're just not looking. <laughs> Open your eyes. <laughs> Two and three. Yeah. <laughs> Two out of three. Open yeah. your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And we also know that, you know, for, with VWS, we do a pitch competition every single year. And our pitch competition has seen over 1,300 women apply from 31 countries. So they're there. <laughs> women are there. Eager, smart, brilliant, talented women are there. Uh, do they have everything it takes to make the right pitch deck, to, write, to make the right business plan? Do they have the right product in mind? 
that remains to be seen because that's the work that we need to be doing to get more founders into the space so that they can learn how to build big companies. But we know that the interest is there. Jenny, maybe for the last few minutes, we can pick your brain a little bit about where you're seeing the future of food. What are the big mega trends that you're seeing that you're excited about? Oh, I mean, we need like three hours for that. I know we do. I know. <laughs> this is a keynote. So, I know. I'm going to ask you to do I, it in just I, a few minutes. <laughs> Sorry. This is, this is what I do. So the future of food is changing rapidly. Um, at the time of recording right now, this week, the second company in the world just received approval from the FDA for cultivated meat in the United States, which is massive news. So for those of you that haven't been paying attention, cultivated meat, also known as lab-grown meat, is going to be served to consumers in the U.S. this year in 2023. So it is coming. It is not Star Trek anymore. This is the real deal, and it is going to be on U.S. plates. The U.S. plates is significant because over probably two dozen countries around the world are waiting to see how the U.S. regulates it. The U.S. will be the second country in the world to serve cultivated meat to consumers. So for those that are not sure, you know, is this safe? What is this? Is this Frankenfood? You can go take a look at Singapore, which has been safely serving cultivated meat for two years to their consumers. And that's going to open the floodgates to creating meat without the slaughter of animal. And once we see that here in the United States in 2023, you're going to see a massive wave of regulatory changes all around the world once the United States rolls it out. So that excites me. We are going to be able to eat meat that is environmentally sustainable without the slaughter of animals, without the risk of pandemics. We also have a ton of other types of innovation in the future of food. Plant-based options are getting better and better every single year. We're moving beyond the era of the burger. The burger was a great first outing, but we have a ton of chicken coming, all kinds of diverse different types of plant-based proteins, many of them with cleaner labels, shorter ingredient lists, many of them with more delicious and savory. So it depends if you want to treat yourself, there's going to be an option. If you want something a little cleaner for lunch, there's an option. We are going to have a wide spectrum of amazing hyper-realistic plant-based proteins to fill all of your dietary needs. I love that That's too. just two. I could because go on. <laughs> I love that because just as a consumer myself, like I don't want to eat a burger every day. I actually enjoy, I love, I, I love my veggies and I don't have to have everything be fake meat. I just want interesting textures, interesting food, tasty food to eat healthy food. And it doesn't have to be yeah, a, a burger format. <laughs> no, me neither. And I actually, you know, 95% of meat that's produced in the United States is chicken right? Chicken's what we mostly eat. We don't actually eat that much beef. We eat a ton, a ton of chicken. And that's worldwide. Chicken consumption is just through the roof. Also part of why we have a global avian flu pandemic. But there's so much potential specifically in that meat. And that is where I'm excited. There's a lot of whole cuts, like, you know, really good plant-based, like, chicken breasts that are going to be coming out. Things like that are what really excite me because to be completely honest, 95% of the meat that I used to eat before I was vegan was chicken. I didn't really eat burgers either. I've never even had a Big Mac. So in the last few minutes, will you kind of tease us up for what to expect at Vegan World Summit? Heck yeah. So you're all invited to the Vegan Women's Summit. We can't wait to see you there. So the Vegan Women's Summit, which is open to all genders, probably about 25% of our attendees are men, uh, is the only gathering in the entire world focused on the future of food, fashion, beauty, biotechnology, sustainability. So 
you can join us uh, May 18th to 20th in New York. We'll be doing our welcome reception with Mayor Eric Adams at the Mayor's Mansion. And this will be an incredible experience. There'll be over a hundred speakers and brands that are gonna have plant-based food. You're gonna be able to try the latest future of food creations. You're also gonna be able to buy cactus leather boots. You're gonna be able to um, try all the latest vegan cosmetics. We're creating a 360 degree experience around what is the entire future animal-free innovation look like? And this is the only place in the world where you can experience it. We hope to see you all there. Tickets are selling fast. We do expect it to sell out. We're expecting a thousand in New York. It'll be one of the biggest summits of the year. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Jenny, for being on the pod. We will, of course, link up um, the Vegan Women's Summit website. Also, um, you can, that's where you can download the report with the full findings, seeing what they discovered in 2022, but also the three-year trends. And of course, Jenny will be at the summit. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Look forward to it. Thanks again to this month's sponsor, Big Pivot Partners. Learn more by visiting www.bigpivot.net.